I scream, you scream, we all scream for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. I'm coming in hot. Coming in hot, Veronica. It's been a busy day. Yeah? What does that mean? We got tons of sword news. We got some laser news. We do. it's been a heavy day. Try, uh, trying to get the energy up. What are you doing to me here? I what I'm what I'm sorry. What are you, I, I drank a beer and so now I'm sleepy. So I'm a little. Oh, you're mellow. That's I'm just what mellowed it is. out. I'm a little mellowed out. All right, hold on. I'm drinking a Lagavulin 16 year old Scotch. I can get down to your level. Here we go. <laughs> chug, chug, chug. Don't really mm. chug. It's not healthy drinking no. habits. Uh, no, but it is uh, a Scotch that Nick Offerman has uh, re- endorsed. So. There you go. Fair enough. I am still drinking. We are in week two of Veronica drinking a beer that Tom essentially bought for her by subscribing to Amazing Clubs. Cheers. Um, So I'm drinking an Arcadia Ales IPA. Oh, well. How is it? It's good. It's got a ship on the front. Ah. Very fancy. You shipped your beer. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 That's actually true. Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into the Quick Burns. David was kind enough to post in our Quick Burns thread on Goodreads that the movie rights to Planet of Exile by Ursula K. Le Guin have been purchased. Oh, and as we, as we always say uh, at every discussion about rights being purchased to something, doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be made. It just means that that, you know, that, that group or that organization will have the rights to it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Right? No, exactly. Uh, it's going to be adapted by Daniel Steepleman um, and the Los Angeles Media Fund, which is the company that acquired the rights. Jeffrey Soros and Simon Horseman will produce. I don't know if that means anything to you guys. Uh, alongside Mark Johnson, which might mean something because he produced Rain Man and Downsizing. Uh, and if you don't know Steepleman, Steepleman wrote a script for The Blacklist called On the Basis of Sex about Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's early years. Wow. All right. Yeah. That sounds great. I, so I haven't read this book yet. Um, have you? Did Have you read Plan, Planet of Exile? No, I haven't. I'm sorry to say. Well, maybe maybe it'll have to be a future pick of some kind. We'll have, yeah. Yeah. We or have done pick. we have done a little Ursula K. Le Guin, but yeah, we should maybe we should do some more alt picks for for authors that we want to read again. But we've read recently. You well, know you know, potentially that could happen. We'll get to more of that uh, mm. later in the quick burns today. Uh, but moving on, Patrick Rothfuss announces the name of the wind, <laughs> 10th anniversary edition, and shares updates on the King Killer Chronicle book three. I'm laughing so, because I immediately, as soon as I said 10th anniversary edition, I'm like, people are going to be annoyed that it's been 10 years since the first book came out well, and the and, third book still isn't out. And as part of his, uh, as part of a reward for uh, fundraising for world builders, uh, Pat Rothfuss, Mr. Rothfuss to you and I, uh, did a Q&A where he addressed the, the fact that uh, the name on the door has not 
Uh, I'm sorry, the door, the name on the door, the doors of stone uh, has not come out yet. Before we get to that, though, the 10th anniversary of the name of the wind will have an extensive author's note, several appendices. If you're interested in the calendar or the currency systems, you'll get more information on that. A pronunciation guide, which I think is fantastic, 20 illustrations and a better map. That's great. And yeah, and if you go over to the tour.com uh, post that we'll link to in the uh, in our blog post, uh, you get some more answers about things that are happening in book three, um, such as the, for example, uh, where does the name Edema Ra come from? And he says, like most of the names in the book, I made it up. It comes from my head. I make it up. Sorry, that's not a satisfying answer. <laughs> satisfying uh, enough. And, and then when the 10th anniversary edition comes out, we'll know how to pronounce that. Yeah, is it? Ed, is, I, don't I think know. from the audiobook, I remember Edema Rue. Edema Rue. But I don't know if that's right. Maybe the audio, maybe the narrator got it wrong. Edema Ra. It wouldn't be Veronica if I didn't mispronounce something important. Well, you still would be, but you wouldn't be. Did you listen? Did you listen to last week's episode when I so skillfully edited? My mispronunciation. Why are, you, why are you pulling back the curtain? Because I talked about it in the episode before that. I, okay. I talked about how badly I was, how upset I was that I mispronounced Bradley And then uh, Bradley you showed off Bulliers. your, your audio editing skills. See, now I can say it perfectly because he's not around. Bradley right, Bullier. Bradley mm-hmm. Bullier. Yeah. It's like you've been doing it all your life. Bradley Bullier ass off. That's how he says it. <laughs> That's how he's he says bo- to say it. He's not going to boil. No, he's not going to boil it. Off. Not That's bullier. not how he rolls. That's no. not how he rolls because he rolls a bowling ball. There we go. Um, so that was fun. I'm excited about anyway, that. Anyway, yes, that, that was impressive. I'm not even joking. That was really impressive how you did that. Thank People you. won't even know. No. Don't go, don't go check it out. You'll just disappoint yourself because you'll be like, I don't hear the seams. It's too good. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss did say that he feels writing is going okay uh, on book three. Uh, he gives it one and a half stars. Whereas uh, two years ago, he gave it three and a half stars uh, because he dismantled a big piece of it and he hasn't quite put it back together. And he explained that he does not write in a fluid manner, uh, but works on. Well, actually, he does write in a fluid manner. He doesn't write in a linear manner. Mm. He works piecemeal and often deconstructs and reconstructs until over time it coheres. So he can't give you a percentage done the way like Brandon yeah, Sanderson. Right. Can. That makes sense. Onward to Martin, uh, who pointed out the Thorn of Emberlane teaser update on Scott Lynch's Tumblr. Someone said, hi, Scott. I know you've been asked this a lot, but could you give us an update on Thorn? It's been a while without news. And Scott replied, expect a huge update at the end of this month. So a teaser of more info. Um, And we skipped over David, but we'll jump back into his uh, post. He says, not sure if this counts as quick burns uh, per se, but Goodreads is now adding a reread functionality. Until now, they'd only allow one date read per book, but now we're able to add multiple dates. According to the Goodreads blog post, they're rolling out this feature, so it may not show up for everyone just yet. Uh, This will make it easier for us folks who reread a lot or do yearly reading challenges, for example. I like that. Uh, I, I don't reread as much as I used to simply because I have so much that I need to read that's new, Mm -hmm. but when I do, I like to go back and update that date. So it'll be nice to be able to keep a log of like, oh no, this is my 17th time reading the man on the high castle. Good. Mm -hmm. Can't go back and remember all the times I read it. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which, actually your next story is about man on the high castle. Yes, uh, Mark pointed out an interesting read list for fans of the TV show, The Man in the High Castle. Now, obviously, reading the book, The Man in the High Castle would 
be uh, something you'd want to do. But he points out that the Small Change trilogy by Joe Walton, which includes Farthing, Haypenny, and Half a Crown, depicts a world where Britain made peace with Nazi Germany. It's set in late 1940s Britain. Uh, of course, the I Ching, uh, which is consulted by characters in Man in the High Castle, is a good one. Fatherland by Robert Harris is a detective story set in a version of 1964 Germany where the Nazis won. Uh, the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn comes up in The Man in the High Castle, so if you haven't read that, or Lolita, those are also good companion volumes. Then there's some historical fiction and real-life stories from World War II, uh, including Resistance, uh, about the French Resistance, and Manzanar, uh, about the Japanese internment camp Manzanar in the United States. You know, I'd actually be curious to know how many alt-history books about if the Nazis won World War II there are in the world. Because I imagine, you know, it being probably one of the pivotal mo- p- pivotal moments in, in, in history sure. that that has piqued a lot of authors' interest. Um, of course, Man in the High Castle probably being one of the most famous, but there's got to be a lot of them. Yeah, Fatherland is probably the most famous. The most then famous. the Man in the High Castle and the Joe Walton uh, series probably behind that. But yeah, uh, if you have a favorite, because there are others, uh, let us know either on Goodreads or feedback at swordandlaser.com. A Taste for Books writes, a release date has been announced for the follow-up trilogy to his Dark Materials. Philip Pullman shared that the first book, The Book of Dust, will be out in the UK on October 19th, 2017. I didn't even know this was, this was in the works. Yeah, and it's a equal he says mm. uh, it will mm-hmm. follow Lyra as a young girl before the Golden Compass uh, or or, or uh, yeah, before the Golden Compass and as an older woman after the Amber Spyglass. See, that's not how I would have described an equal. I would have described an equal as being a book that is happening in the same timeline to the same character, but following different stuff going on in their lives. Hmm. That would be really interesting, too. I wonder if any of that will be in these books as well. So think of it like if you were to write if you were to write Mm -hmm. a very boring book about my life, you could do a whole (laughs) book about me being at work. But you could also do a whole book about me being out with my dog. But the, the boring part is the problem, right? Right. Can you make two interesting books that take place with the same character in the same timeline? That's the challenge. Well, you know, I think my dog is pretty interesting, and I think my oh, work sure, is dog. pretty interesting. So yeah. do they have to <laughs> intertwine? I'm not sure. Yeah, you said boring. So if I did, I did, I did say boring. I'm all in, yeah. <laughs> two very boring books. Uh, and then Louie uh, said that you can read chapter one from John Scalzi's upcoming novel, The Collapsing Empire, which is available March 21st. If you want to get a sneak peek, Scalzi is always a good read. It's very true. And finally, we will be doing March Madness for the April book pick. Uh, thank you again to our robberator, Rob, who reminded me again for the second year in a row that March was upon us and that it was time to do March Madness. And so if you head over to Goodreads, you will see the thread uh, right at the top of the general uh, discussion forum where you can submit one book that you would like us to read, preferably something we haven't read before. Um, Rob is doing an amazing job kind of collecting all these stories and counting how many people have voted for which books. Uh, The list is getting very extensive already. Uh, So at the end of the month, uh, in time for the March 1st episode, 
Tom and I will go through, we will pick our top 16 favorites, which will then be bracketed out. And week by week, we will eliminate a bracket, uh, a tier of brackets um, until one final book remains. Um, so you'll have eight head to head votes in the first week. That's right. Where you have to vote for one book or another. And then the winners of those votes move on to play each other. And then you'll have four and then two until we have a champion or like last year, an exact tie. <laughs> an exact freaking tie. <laughs> that was amazing. That was uh, V.E. Schwab and N.K. Jemison, if yeah, I remember yeah. correctly. And they were both great. They were great sports they about it. Well, great. the books were both great. And the authors themselves yeah, were both yeah. great sports about it and thought it was hilarious and, and tweeted about it and everything. So that was really fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I love doing March Madness. I'm excited to know what the April fantasy pick is going to end up being. I got to dust off my brackets. Get ready to roll. I know. We get, it's, it's time for your, for your artistic bracket renderings. <laughs> Once again, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. All right. And thanks as always to Rob, who is such a tremendous help getting together all of the data and, and cat wrangling and, and all the things that he does in the forums to make, you know, our day to day lives easier and March Madness tolerable and, and easy to, to peruse and look through. So thank you, Rob. You're you're the best. I'm raising a glass to you, Rob. Cheers, mate. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. On episode number 280, Adam H. asked about a way of tracking upcoming releases from authors. You noted a few services uh, to try. Uh, Adam had noted Amazon does stuff from authors I've previously purchased, but Amazon does send some emails automatically from those authors, yes, but you can explicitly follow any author on Amazon to opt into notifications about all of their new releases. Search for the author, click through to their page, and then hit the follow button. It's an automated system, so it can only be as smart as their data, but most authors and their agents are pretty good at keeping their Amazon data clean. And there is some human plus machine learned curation to make sure that any book you get notified about is really a new one, mm. not just a reprint, a book by an author with the same name, etc. cetera. Uh, formally, I should say that although I work for Amazon, I am not speaking officially for them, uh, says the person writing, not me. Uh, this is just me telling you what I know. But in this particular case, I work on the team that runs the system. So what I know ought to be reliable. <laughs> he goes on to say, I don't, I, I, I don't know about that B00EYUJAF0 guy, though. I just cleaned up his bibliography. But why someone who knows how information on the net uh, Staleswood year ago put things like has written two novels into a bio is beyond me from Anthony. <laughs> what an idiot. Who was that? Who's that guy? Right? Huh. Man, that guy probably is really busy. That's probably what happened. <laughs> that guy probably forgot that he has a profile on Amazon. That guy probably was like, I'll never write another book. I'll just say two novels when I write this bio and dash it off and not think about it again for years. Especially, oh, I don't know. especially not when I'm releasing a new novel that exactly. people would be looking at my profile who would, page. Who would ever be looking at a profile and maybe wanting to follow me then? That's, I mean, he, him. Him. Then. I mean... Them. Yeah, obviously. Th thanks, yeah. Anthony. Thanks, <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> that's a great suggestion. Uh, sorry, we didn't really mention that we were uh, reading an email, but that's what happened. Um, but yeah, Anthony, this is this is super interesting stuff and a really good way. Tom, why are you shaking your head at me? I said we got a data data rights because you put data at the top. I didn't. First of all, I didn't put data at the top. That's how the email started. Second of all, I don't think you said that out loud. Check the tapes, people. 
don't think you said that out loud. Check the tape. I might have been drinking in that moment because we had just cheered you were drinking, to Rob. Because it was a beautiful handoff mm-hmm. where I was drinking to Rob and then you introduced the next segment and then you started drinking and I picked it up. That was poetry in motion right there. Mm-hmm. I'm still drinking right now. I know. I, I noticed that. <laughs> we watch each other like like we have video on. Creepily. I, I, creepily. <laughs> So we can like do things like like segue into new segments. We're not in the same room. If you were thinking that, we're like that would be even creepier. Different ends of the state, just staring at each other in the same room, (laughs) drinking and staring, and like waiting for the next person to talk. Are you Are you gonna talk next? Uh, No, I'm drinking. Oh, sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just tired. I'm I, slow your roll working, there, Belmont. This is. Uh, I'm not even going to say that out loud. It was a stupid thing to even think. Never mind. Working is hard. <laughs> that's was, that was what I was going to say. Because it is. I think everyone who works would agree with you. I'm not even lying. I'm just like the weird person who has been a freelancer for like her entire adult life now at this point and kind of And you're forgot. like, wait, I have to go back in at the same time again? Wait, I, I actually, the first day after work, even though I love my job and I was really excited, I was like, so I have to go back tomorrow too? Like that's an every day? Okay. That's crazy. Um, well, should we talk about the book of the month? Yes. Uh, so this month, as you guys know, we are reading The Salt Roads by... So I did mispronounce her name last time and someone in the Goodreads thread uh, corrected me. I was saying Nalo but I believe it's Nalo. Nalo Hopkinson, yes. Nalo Hopkinson. Uh, Got it. So apologies, uh, but thank you for correcting me. Um, so Nalo Hopkinson is the author of this month's book pick, and I'm about 60 or 70% of the way through. It is a really interesting read. I mean, it, it goes in so many cool directions. It's both dark and uh, fantastical and historical and, uh, you know... There's a lot of there's a lot of magical magical realism type yeah tones to it and poetry it's very yeah. poetic With it's, Baudelaire. it's very lyrical um, so there's just a lot of different things happening but the the things that tie it together are you know the 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 plight of these women in the stories their their experience being black women their experience being you know whether they're on a, a slave plantation in Haiti or in French uh, in in Paris in French. In yeah. Renaissance France, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, just in, in Egypt and all these different... Romantic, I guess it's a romantic era. Yeah, all these different different experiences, but tied together through, through common themes. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I think it's funny how we do these books in pairs sometimes, and it's not intentional, mm-hmm. where, and maybe it's just pattern recognition on my part, but Three Body Problem started off feeling like a historical novel about the the cultural revolution in china and then slowly became clear that it was a science fiction novel uh the salt roads starts off feeling like a historical Mm, novel mm -hmm. about slaves in haiti and then slowly even slower but but more and or not even slower but more gently than three-body problem suddenly just kind of weaves in these fantastical elements uh and and really is a three-part historical novel with fantasy uh, very much it reminds me in, in some ways of N.K. Jemisin with the gods uh, being worked in, but they're historical gods from real mythology. And I I remember thinking at some points, is this really fantasy? And then thinking, do I care yeah, whether it yeah, is yeah. or not? No. It's just a really enjoyable read. And 
it is not it is not a mainstream novel, right? And it's more than historical fiction. So if anything, it's its own genre if it doesn't fit into a genre that you have in mind. Yeah, I mean, what does what really constitutes fantasy anyway? Like what what really does genre fiction mean at this point? I mean, so there's so many different kinds of books that that fit under the umbrella of genre fiction. It's hard to it's impossible to look at something and say this is or is not fantasy or this well, I mean, is I, or is not science fiction. Um, I, I think you can you can look at On the Road by Jack Kerouac and say that's not science fiction, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, there's, there's, thanks, there's, Tom. No, but I'm I'm saying that as a point because the the critique of what you're saying could be like, oh, so there is, there's no point never categorizing anything. And, and that's, I don't that's think that's not what I'm point. saying though. What I'm saying yeah. is like, this is, you know, my gut says, oh, were I to categorize this at the point of the book that I am in, I'd probably call it more like almost like folklore or something mm. in that vein. But at that point, what, what really is different from that and fantasy we and have characters that, turning into animals. We have godlike beings that are able to to jump from mind to mind, uh, or be trapped in a mind or a soul. And, and so, you know, what what really, what is it, what does it all mean? Yeah, and, <laughs> what and do words mean point, anyway? Like, there are certainly there is certainly a reason to categorize this as fantasy. And if you want to have an argument about, well, does it truly belong? Does it fit right in? That's where it becomes well where where do you draw the line is is an exercise that might be useful uh in in coming to understand literature's boundaries and why we write things the way way they are certainly but in the end it's just that it's an exercise and it doesn't change what i think is a beautiful triptych of stories with a very solid fantasy spine binding these three stories together uh and I keep I, as I've been reading the book, I keep going back and forth which storyline I like the most. Mm, At mm-hmm. first, the Haitian story felt the most straightforward, you know, the most grounded in history. And so I kind of like Jean's story better because I was getting a, a little look into Paris from a different angle. And that was new to me and and fun. But then when all of a sudden when um, and, and we're, we're going to get slightly spoilery here, uh, but when. Is it Macondo? Is that his name? Macondral? The one who can Macondral? who can trans yeah. yeah, the one who can transform shows up in Haiti. I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is interesting. Maybe this Macondal? is my favorite. Macondal. Macondal, thank you. And then we go to Egypt, which is a personal favorite of mine. I love Egyptian history. And you get this whole other angle on Egypt and Israel and Palestine and what's going on in the in the classical world. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I think this is my favorite, but I, I never, I never settle. And I think that's the best part about this book is it keeps delighting you as it changes its story back and forth. Yeah. I, so I am enjoying it. I, I feel like maybe I was saying a lot of that because I was feeling defensive that maybe people would say, oh, this isn't a real fantasy Mm. novel, even though nobody on our forums has said that, uh, at least to my knowledge, I've been I've been checking up on on the Goodreads threads, trying to stay a little bit away from them because I don't want to get spoiled because I'm not done yet. <laughs> spoiled. I'm just inventing words left and right yeah. tonight. It's really it's, it's magical. That, I would I would say you're you're a linguist. Thanks, Arcadia Ailes. <laughs> but you know what I like about you, Tom. I like that I can, the way he just looked at me just now is like, what is she going to say? <laughs> I, 
What I like about you, Tom, is that I can say a bunch of, pardon my French, bullshit. Like that comes from just like gut, like emotions and like ways, like basically I'm just pulling feelings out of the air and like spitting them into a microphone. And then you're like, yes, and this is all the logical reasons why you're feeling this way and blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And here is like a really well thought out and spoken description of all the blah, emotion vomit that I'm like putting into Which the Which is just me bullshitting too, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, we, all, we have complimentary brands. <laughs> so yeah, you guys, it is uh, halfway through the month. So we are going to wrap up this book uh, on March 1st on that episode as well. But you still have time. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's not a short read, but it's certainly not one of the largest books we've read so far. And I think it is definitely uh, well worth a look. So head over to your library or, or grab it on Amazon. There's an audiobook as well. As deep as the story is, mm-hmm. because all three of them are talking about the plight of African migrants, uh, both compelled and otherwise, um, it, it's still something I could pick up at any time. I could be waiting for someone to come out of a store. I could have 20 minutes to kill. And it's just so easy to get in the flow of her writing. Mm-hmm. She, it, I found that one of the most enjoyable things about this. So. Well, it really does. It is broken up very well, too. I mean, there's certain chapters that are extremely short. Um, it They... It made me wonder when I was reading it, like, did she write the stories at the same time? Like, was the the, the Haitian story, was that written in one block? Was the the, mm-hmm. the Parisian story written in one sitting? Uh, you know, how, how did she piece them together? Did she... I'm so curious to know what the process was for that, because they do feel, at least at the point of the book that I'm in, very independent, except for that one stream floating between them. Yeah, and they they are telling three different stories with three different experiences coming from the same, from the same big principles. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and so it's easy. You can look at them and say, well, there's, there's not much similar between mayor and Jean, but they're both under the same pressures just in, just in different ways. Right. Which is one of the the brilliances of of having that that godlike mind that is trapped in them and bouncing back and forth. Well, speaking of Haiti and and the history therein, uh, Richard writes in Goodreads. Uh, Dara has posted about this in the first thread, but I think it's worth highlighting. There is an excellent podcast series about the Haitian Revolution that gives a lot of helpful context to this book. Uh, the historical character Mackendall who appears in the book, is covered in the second episode as well. Uh, The first episode sets the scene and describes the social structure of the colony at the time the book is set. Uh, There are 19 episodes uh, as part of Mike Duncan's weekly Revolutions podcast. You can get that at revolutionspodcast.com. Richard says, I really enjoyed both the podcast and the Salt Roads book. Excellent. Good, good suggestion. Thank you for uh, sending that along. I love complimentary material like we were talking about earlier with Man in the High Castle. This is great. I have to check this out. Yeah, that would be a really interesting thing to listen along in tandem uh, while you're reading the book probably as well to kind of keep you in the vibe also kind of sunk into the world. Well, that just about wraps it up for this episode of Sword and Laser, everyone. Um, as you know, our show is entirely funded by our patrons. Uh, so thank you to all the folks who back our show. And if you want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Yes, uh, absolutely. If you are, I don't know, named uh, Stephen, for mm-hmm, instance, or mm-hmm. Benjamin, 
or Patrick. Uh, thank you for supporting us at swordandlaser.com. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Welcome back, Patrick. We missed you. I know. We're I'm so glad. We're happy to have you back. Yeah. Good friend of the show. Um, of course, if you guys want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on the fabulous Goodreads, and you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7sword6. Go put your votes in for March Madness. Vote early just once. Just the once, not often, just, just the once. Really, we have too much to handle already. Frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.